Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Will you be a soul winner? The true purpose of every Christian. I've got a quote here from John Wesley. I didn't put in my notes, but it's on the, it's on the track there. Soul saving is your supreme task. You have nothing to do but save souls. Therefore, spend your time and be spent in this work. John Wesley meant wear yourself out doing it. Be spent in this work. It is not your business to preach so many times, but to save as many souls as you can, to bring as many sinners as you possibly can to repentance, and with all your power to build them up in that holiness without which they cannot see the Lord. Amen? That's John Wesley. I want to talk to you this morning as it's set up there about are you ready to be a soul winner? You see, I think we're ready. Sister Mesa, you're ready. You're going to be a soul winner. You understand that? God has just used you. You've stepped into a new place in your walk with God. You stepped out in faith, out of your flesh, and you walked up to a lady because he said, go and get with her. And in faith, you stepped out and God gave you the words that he wanted her to hear to prepare her heart to receive his spirit. Amen? Now, she didn't give that lady the Holy Ghost, but she sure did what she needed to do so that God could fill her with the Holy Ghost. Amen? I want to tell you this morning that you are equipped, you are empowered. If you've got a tongue in your head, if you've got a brain inside your skull, if you've got the ability to communicate in any way, God will use you to speak if you're willing to step out. And now is the time. Today is the day. This is the day. We've got all this stuff taken care of. All this, the church is here. The building is here. The apparatus is in place. The structure is here. The leaders are in place. The people are doing their thing. Wonderful teams are doing their job. But we've got now one thing to do. Get outside of the camp and get into the market. Get into the courts. Get into the places where the people who need God are and be willing to step out and say, this is what God can do for you. Today's the day. We've got to become soul winners. Jesus gave that wonderful parable when he talked about the fig tree. He walked up to that fig tree and he recognized that the fig tree was bearing leaves and no fruit. Come on now. Fig trees aren't supposed to have foliage on them without something hanging there with that foliage. And he recognized that this thing is bearing bearing the, the leaves. It had all the trappings of being a fig tree. You know, trees are identified by their leaves, right? Come on now, who's, who's with me? You trees identified by your leaves? I'm trying. I want to be identified every single day by the leaves that I bear, that fruit of the Spirit that I bear. And I'm not just talking about outward appearance. I'm talking about all the aspects of what the Holy Ghost does in my life. The way that I walk tall, the way that I greet somebody, the way I carry a smile, the strength that I carry into the marketplace. Something's different about you. Why are you so happy all the time? What's the deal with you, man? I want to carry those leaves, but here's the deal. If all I'm carrying is those leaves and there's no fruit under there, and let's be honest, now come on, the fruit is not, I show up at church. The fruit is not, I have a smile on my face. The fruit is not, I work in the Sunday school department. What's the fruit? What are we bearing? What is Jesus really concerned about? He's concerned about the souls that desperately need him. He's concerned about bearing the fruit of another soul. Come on. Anybody 
that's sitting in this room right now that just heard a voice whispered into their ear, but I can't save anybody. That's a lie from the enemy. If you just said in your own mind, no, that's not for me. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm not capable. I've tried it before. I've failed too many times. It never works for me. No one ever listens. It's a lie from the enemy. We've got a young lady who just stepped out at one event and let God use her and he gave her the words and there's a person now whose life has turned 180 degrees into a new direction, into a new place with a heaven that's waiting for her someday because God chose to use someone who was willing and they stepped out and now that young lady has the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. It's our role. It's our calling. It's who we are supposed to be. We can't be abashed about this anymore. I'm not going to be ashamed ashamed to say it. I'm not going to be ashamed to talk about it. If you're living and breathing and walking and talking and functioning, you're a soul winner to be. You're a soul winner to be. Do you understand? You're a soul winner to be. Somebody in the room say, I'm a soul winner to be. be. Amen. You can do it. If you've got the Holy Ghost, if you've got a little bit of faith, if you've got a little bit of effort, you can share your testimony. You know a little bit about the Word of God. Let me share some things that Paul said in the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. These are the words of Paul. He said, but none of these things move me. In other words, all this other stuff that's going on in life, I don't care about. But he says, neither count I my life dear unto myself. I don't care about all the stuff that I can do in life. I'm not so concerned about my little five square feet and my job and my this and that. I don't care at all that stuff dear unto myself. In other words, so much so that it separates him from anything else. He says, so that I might finish my course with joy. Do you have a little bit of joy, Sister Mesa? Were you pretty excited about that? Do you have some joy? You feeling pretty good? That testimony sounds like you're feeling pretty good. You got a little bit of joy out of being used by God, didn't you? Now, in that moment, when you were being used by God, were you worried about what's going on in the kitchen stove at home? What's happening at your job? Amen. I love that young lady. He says, so that I might finish my course with joy and that ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. That's where he's got his focus on. We can do that now. We've got everything we need. Come on, we've got the money, we've got the rent paid, we've got the car, we've got gas in the car, we've got all that stuff. You'll get your vacation time, you'll get your fun, you'll get your, your enjoyment. Absolutely, God wants you to have all that stuff, but don't hold it dear. Don't hold it so dear that you kind of get wrapped up in all that stuff. You just kind of forget. You kind of give up on, well, I don't think God's ever going to use me. So 60 years ago, I tried to talk to somebody and it didn't work out. Right? Come on. You can do it. Paul's telling you, look what he says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9 and 22. He says, to the weak became I as weak. He learned how to be an adapter. He was a Christian soul-winning chameleon. He said, to the weak I became weak, that I might gain the weak. And I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the shotgun approach, the scattergun approach. You ever hear that people say that? I'm just going to throw enough stuff up against the wall and something's going to stick. In other words, he was out there just going, da-da-da-da, word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God, word of God. Testimony, 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 testimony. Somebody's going to drop. (laughs) Somebody's going to hear his word and they're going to be affected. Amen? You know, in this day and age, that's probably not the best analogy to do the gun thing. I, 
Who hired me for this? What? There's a pink slip coming. Come on now, we're friends. 2 Corinthians, he says the same thing or very similar. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, he says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. In other words, everything you're dealing with and distracting yourself with in your life and your job and the gas in your car, it's all God's anyway. He's kind of implying like we owe something for that, don't we? We owe him something for that. I would agree. Anybody here say, yep. I have what I have because God gave it to me. All right? All those things belong to God. And he says, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Did he say given to me? Who do you think he was talking to in there? He was talking to the church at Corinth. He was talking to the church. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what's reconciliation? Of course, that's helping people establish or reestablish their relationship with God. Reconciling the world to himself, Jesus said, Right? In verse 19, he says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. In other words, not condemning them to death because they're sinners forever, yet. But he says, and hath committed unto this world, excuse me, this word of reconciliation. Well, that's awesome. That means all these people that should be imputed for their trespasses got a shot, got a chance for reconciliation. Well, how's that going to happen? Unless we be sent. Unless we be a Diana Mesa. Unless we're willing to be used by God and say, hey, you know what? There's, there's something here. There's a hope for you here. There's something I want to share with you. You still with me? I don't have the scripture up there, but in 2 Timothy, he writes, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. I want to tell you this morning, and if i got to walk around with a label maker and crank it out on a label maker and stick it on your chest, you are a minister. You are a minister. And I would hesitate to say, or not hesitate to say, I would probably crank out E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-S-T and stick that on you too. You are an evangelist. If God has touched you, if God has moved you, if God has filled you with your spirit, if you've got a testimony of any kind of what God has done for you, you are a minister of the gospel and an evangelist of his word. And you can do it. Oh no, brother, I, brother Cordell, I'm really shy. I, mm-mm, that's your flesh. Your flesh is shy, your human nature is shy, your human nature is distracted by the problems of the world, your human self has all of that stuff to do. But I'm talking about a group of people who are getting ready to walk in the spirit. When you jump out of your spirit, let me tell you about the spirit that's inside you. There ain't no shy to it. There ain't no, I can't do it with that spirit. That spirit's full of energy and boldness and will stand up and will talk to a lady for 15 minutes until God fills her with the Holy Ghost. That's the spirit that's inside you. That's the one that should be dominating. Peter writes in 1 Peter 3 and 15, he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Okay, here's some instruction now. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, grab a hold of that. Dedicate yourself to it. Make a connection to God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What Peter's simply saying is, you should already be doing the things that people can see something in you. It says that there's a hope in you. 
Look, I'm looking at the rest of the world around me and people are downtrodden, their heads are down and they're watching CNN and they're dealing with who, who got elected and they're all tore up and here's you. Well, man, what's going on with the hope in you? You clearly aren't being affected by the stuff we are. You got to be ready to answer with meekness and with fear. That means respect to tell that person, here's why I'm happy. Here's why I got something different going on inside of me. Now, clearly, he didn't say, run up to people and say, hey, by the, by the way, you know, I've got a hope. And then answer, he said, they're going to see it. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason. That means they see something in you. So Christian, if you're one of them, did you ever see one of them Christians? There ain't none of them here. They don't come to abundant life. But you got them Christians that walk around like this. You're like, do you know the Jesus I know? Do you, we, is it the same guy? Okay. Look at Daniel, all the way back to Daniel. I want to talk about the light, and that's what First Peter was reflecting to, the light that shines in us. Jesus said to be a light. All the way back in Daniel 12 and 3, listen to this. It says that, and they that be wise, which means those that are serving the Lord, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness will essentially shine as the stars forever and ever. I want to be someone that turns people to righteousness because I want to shine in God's heaven like a star forever and ever. Right? Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Matthew chapter 5 and 14. This is, here's Jesus' words. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I want abundant life to be a city set on a hill just beaming with light, just radiating light. Every person that comes in and out of here, just a beam of light. People going, what's going on down at that church? What is happening? Because a city set on a hill it is, cannot be hid. If it's full of light, it definitely cannot be hid. But you know what? I, we need each other. I need you and you need me to take this place and, and, and just keep, let's, let's move it up the hill, right? Let's get a little bit further up the hill. Let's jack this thing up so that it's a city on the hill for Dousman and Wales and Economowoc and all these surrounding areas so we can do the work of the evangelist, so we can shine like the firmament. He said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 16, let your light so shine before men that they may never see, excuse me, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let it shine, let it shine, let it be known. I've got some plans, folks. I've got some plans to get this little groups of people out into our community, out into these. Do you know that, uh, I don't know if Sister Elizabeth is here this morning, but I heard her say something I've heard people say many times over. Sister Elizabeth is here this morning? No, not that Sister Elizabeth, our, our newest Sister Elizabeth. Anyway, she said she had driven by this church probably a hundred times and didn't know it was a church. You know why that is? Because the village wouldn't let us do a lot of extra decoration outside the building. They wanted us to be quiet and uniform and have just basic siding and all this kind of stuff. And we have our one sign that took us five years to get approved. 
Sister Barningham, right? Your husband was in there. And, and so um, it, it, here she had driven all back and forth all the time. No one knows. We're the best kept secret in the Lake Country area. Not for long. Not for long. We're going to have some plants out there. We're going to have some relaunches. We're going to have some events, grand reopenings. We're going to do some things that they're doing across the country right now through our, uh, through our organization and through several uh, fantastic groups out there that are doing church launches, and they're helping get recognized and reestablished and so that people know. Recently, over the last few months, I've had several people reach out to me and have good interactions and talk with me and, and share with me their thoughts and their ideas about outreach and, and their passion for that. And you want to talk about a thrill when a pastor gets a, uh, gets a phone call or has a conversation with people that are involved in that and, and just feel hunger for it. And so we formed kind of a little think tank, sort of a little group of people. And I said, yeah, let's get together. Let's share ideas. Let's talk. Let's begin to look at what this looks like and what can we do that's different. Come on, what did Brother Marty preach this morning, right? It's time to step out of the boat, right, Brother Marty? Okay, the boat's looking pretty good, I think. The boat's pretty solid and it's floating and it's moving down the, the river, but we got to get out of the boat now. If you're on my vision and strategy team, stand up this morning. Vision and strategy members. Leaders in the ministry that stepped up and said, man, we want to help you, Pastor. We want to, we've got some ideas about outreach. We want to get involved. This group of people right here, we've been meeting for a couple of months now, just talking and hashing out ideas, stepped forward and said, we want to do this. We want to help. We want to help bring that. We, we just named it our vision and strategy team. We call it VAST, V-A-S-T. You can be seated, you guys. Thank you so much. All operating in ministries right now, all doing parts in their way, but said, hey, let's get involved. Now, there's other people that I've chatted with and I've talked to about those things, but this is just a little think tank group that's helped me out. Folks, there's a passion, a passion, a passion amongst our leaders and amongst these people that want to see us step out of the boat and start impacting our community and becoming the evangelists that we need to be. It's not just a suggestion, you know, and I want you to look at Jesus' words in Mark chapter 16. I love this passage of Scripture. We use this section of scripture quite often to talk about what it is to be a believer and, and what we're supposed to do in terms of baptism. But just that first line, Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, he said unto them, he was talking to the disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He wasn't talking to pastors. He wasn't talking to evangelists and ministers. He was talking to the disciples, every one of them. Are you a disciple of Christ? Anybody in the room a disciple of Christ? He was talking to the disciples. Go into the world. He didn't say, if you feel like it, or if you don't think you're a shy person, or you know, unless you have an impediment of some kind. No, he said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every person has to hear the word of God. In John 15, verse 16, he said it this way. He said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. You understand what that means, ordained? Ministers get ordained. It's a level, it's a level of, of uh, credential. 
I have credentialed you. I have given you a level of authority. I have given you a particular name. I've given you an ordination. Every one of you has been ordained because why? Because he chose you. You didn't choose him according to his own words. But he's ordained you, given you that credential, that authority, that you should go and bring forth fruit. Remember the fig tree. He's not talking about smiles and and love and joy and peace and long-suffering. He's talking about souls. He's talking about being a soul winner. Let's be honest now. It can get real easy to say, well, you know, I keep the church maintenance going and I work real hard at that and that's my fruit. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Sorry, not sorry. That's kind of conventional wisdom that slipped into the church many years ago, and I've heard it for years. I've heard people say, well, you know, I give by just being faithful. I'm a faithful tither. I'm a faithful maintenance guy. You know, I drive around the city and I pray. That's awesome, by the way. Anybody that does that, I do the same thing. That's not fruit. That's not the fruit that Jesus was talking about. He says, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. See? So it takes some action. It takes some effort. It takes some prayer to say, God, okay, I get this. I am really concerned about my walk. Because I want to tell you, as a 16-year-old young man, when God called me, and I recognize that there isn't, there's more to just being in this church thing than just coming to church. And I started to feel it. And I started to feel the compulsion. And I started feeling like, man, if I don't, if I don't save somebody, if I don't do something effective for God, I'm going to be lost. And I think sometimes there's a tendency to church that we sort of get this mindset that just simply says, hey, if I show up and I'm there pretty regularly and I say nice things and I listen to the KLH on my radio and, uh, or whatever that, K, K whatever, K-Love, that's it, sorry. And, and, and I have that on my house and, and I have a bumper sticker that says Jesus on it and, and uh, I have a Bible and stuff. Well, okay, that's my fruit and, I, and I'm good, I'm a Christian. But what I was very concerned about, now this is me talking, you didn't pay for this so you don't have to, you don't have to take it or leave it. But for me, I've, I became convicted that that was not enough and it wasn't gonna be enough. And so I sought God and I said, Lord, in your name, I wanna do something. Send me somebody. I I wanna be able to share my witness. I wanna be able to do something because I feel like I'm gonna be lost if I don't do something. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you you're lost if you don't win a soul. But I am gonna say this, if you're not trying, you might wanna consider getting in the game. He gave us the power to do it, and he talks about it in the Luke 4 chapter, uh, excuse me, Luke 4 and 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Now, like ordination, he said in the previous verse, he ordained us. Now he's anointed us, and when you get anointed, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. He said, I've anointed you. I've given you power to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are captive. He's referring to himself here, okay? He said, God has anointed me, but I'm telling you right now, in the spirit of the Lord is upon you, everything he said applies to you. Jesus didn't model that to show off. He didn't, well, I've got the anointing to go save the world. You don't. And there's proof. 
In Luke chapter 5, I'll just go through it quickly. He looked at all of them and he told them, they were all fishermen, right? They were fishermen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. But he literally told them in Luke chapter 5 and 10, he said, I'm going to make it so that now, instead of catching fish, you're going to catch men, people, mankind. So clearly he wasn't just talking about himself in Luke 4. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, he says, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Power, dunamis. You've heard me talk about this before. Dunamis is a Holy Ghost power to achieve or to accomplish. It's, it's a power to get things done. I'm going to give you power, dunamis, to get some things done. And it's going to come from on high. In verse Acts chapter 1 and 8, he, re- he repeats it again, the same word. He says, but ye shall receive power, dunamis, doing power, ability. I'm going to send you achieving power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the earth. It started at home with the Jews first in Judea. Then it started where they kind of mixed up between the Jews and the Gentiles, and then went to the rest of the earth. You have that power. Don't deny the power. Don't be a person that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. See, that power of the Holy Ghost, he didn't give us that power so we were really good at our jobs. He didn't give us that power so we could be great maintenance people here at the church or great pastors just to talk to people exclusively. Or power to make sure our bills are paid or that our house is in good condition. He gave us power to reach other people. Period. End of story. All the other stuff that comes with the Holy Ghost is just trappings and wonderful blessing. The power he gave us was for one key purpose. And that was to take what we received and get it to other people. Come on, you with me? You have that power. You have that power today. In John 17, starting at verse 17, he says, sanctify them. This is Jesus praying to God. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And thou hast sent me into the world. Even so have I also sent them. He's talking about the disciples into the world. So God sent him. He manifested himself in the flesh, became flesh. Then he sent the disciples into the world. He says, and for their sakes, I sanctify them that they also might be sanctified through the truth. You know what sanctified means? You understand what that means? It means protected and bonded and and covered, sanctified, connected with him. It means okay, moving forward, empowered. And so he said, I sent them, I sanctified them that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone. Now listen to this. Neither pray I for these alone. I'm not just praying for the disciples, but for them. Them also which shall believe on me through their word. Have you believed on God because of the word of the disciples and the word of God? Jesus was praying for you back then. He prayed for you that you would receive this word and that you would be able to do what they're going to be able to do. You understand what that says? Are you getting it? All the way back then. But I pray for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He was already praying for you before you ever existed. 
Now, there's warnings in the word of God. There's, there's, there's guidelines in here just to make you understand the, the, the depth and the importance of what this message is. And it goes all the way back to the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 3 and 18, uh, Ezekiel says, when I, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he's writing down. He says, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man will die in his iniquity. But look what it says there in the end of the verse. But his blood will I require at thine hand. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. He's telling him, listen, if I give you this word, if I tell you to go and warn them about their wickedness, and you don't do it, yeah, they're going to die in their wickedness, but your, their blood's on your hands. Come on, that's some heavy-duty verbiage there. If God speaks to you directly and says you need to go witness to this person and you turn away. Ezekiel later on in chapter 33 starting at verse seven says this. He says, so thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Again, this is Ezekiel writing as God spoke to him. Unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. He's talking to Ezekiel, telling them to warn them. And then in verse 8, he says, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at thine hand. So he says it again, 30 chapters later. He's reinforcing to Ezekiel, a, a, a prophet sent to the Jews, sent to his people to warn them of their wickedness, but he's requiring of Ezekiel their blood if he doesn't do what he says. How many of you think that this message is just for pastors? Oh, pastor, that's your responsibility to warn the wicked. Mm -mm. Nope. I just got through telling you, you're ministers. A pastor's just a minister with a, a job extra on Sunday. That's all. You're ministers, you're evangelists. I think that's pretty heavy language. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and 16, look at how Paul says it. He brings it forward into the New Testament for those of you that think the Old Testament doesn't apply. <laughs> well, pastor, that's the old law. We don't do that. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. But look at the promise of reward. In Proverbs chapter 11 and 30, a beautiful verse, verse 30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth a soul is wise. In James chapter five and 20, he says, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. What a blessing, what a wonderful thing. You save a soul from death. You can stand with me this morning. I've got seven simple key steps. And I hope you're recording or writing or you have excellent memories. This is our job. So Lord, I've done my part. I told him. I let him know. 
Ask God to give you an evangelistic burden for others. You gotta ask for it. As a 16-year-old young man, I got on my hands and knees and said, God, please send me somebody. I wanna tell you that when I began to speak in terms of God sending me opportunities, I didn't know where to go. I had done the door-knocking ministry with the church. I had done outreach with the bus. I didn't have much luck at all. So I said, God, send me somebody. Just send me anybody. I wanna tell you when I began to pray that consistently every day, people were popping up in front of me like you would not believe. People come up to me at the grocery store. Hey, I gotta ask you something. Do you go to church? Bosses that I worked with, when I was much younger, I wasn't as boisterous and loud about being a Christian. I was kind of shy about it. Maybe some of you are still the same way. That's okay. You can change that tomorrow when you go to work. You can let them know, but you don't have to get up in people's face and say, by the way, you know, I'm a Christian. You know, there's ways that you can let people know that. But I want to tell you, before I was really good at that, people would, they started coming up to me. Bosses said, hey, can you tell me something? I want to understand this about the Bible. I'm like, where, how do you, why, why are you coming to me about that? But I want to say is that God was answering prayer. People began coming to me. And then the next thing I knew, there was that opportunity for Bible studies. Pastor Kylie, I went to him. I said, Brother Kylie, I want to learn how to teach Bible studies. He said, come on over to my house. We're teaching one coming up here pretty soon. I sat down with him. And I want to tell you what, I soaked that material up. I wanted to know how to teach a Bible study. I wanted to know the word of God better than I've ever known it in my life. You have an opportunity, by the way, just because it started on Wednesday, you can jump in any time. But Pastor Kylie, is teaching, learning to teach Bible studies in a Wednesday night breakout session. You want to learn from the master? That's the class you ought to be in. Get a hold of this thing because you will know how to teach. Not only will you know how to teach, you know how to get them. You know how to introduce people to them, how to get people to accept when you ask them to come to a Bible study. Number two, live a consistent Christian life before these people. This should be a no-brainer. You cannot be a witness to what goes on inside this room if you are a different person outside this room. Just saying. If you sit at work and you're cussing up a blue streak and talking about your neighbor behind their back and et cetera, et cetera, good luck. You are not gonna witness anybody. And you know what? Whether you're a witness or an evangelist or not, you need to get that stuff out of your life anyhow. So let's just move on from there. You gotta build bridges to other people. In other words, step out of your comfort zone. Be willing to talk to people. Sister Mesa, you built a bridge to a lady. You didn't even know who that was, did you? You didn't know who she was, did you? No, I didn't think so. You had no idea, but God directed you, didn't he? There, you know now. You got a bridge built. You're a friend. That's how that works. Number four, learn the gospel. What do you mean by that, pastor? I mean, get good. Get good at the salvation scriptures or the witnessing scriptures, something like that. Make it a point. You can walk into my office right now, walk in there, pull open a drawer my desk, and there is a stack of index cards this thick that are a thousand years old because when I was 16 years old, I started writing scriptures for memory on those cards. And that wasn't my idea. That was an idea that was given to me because I wanted to know. I wanted to be able to stand in front of somebody and confidently deliver the word of God. It's powerful when you can stand there and say, listen, the Bible says, I know and I understand your tradition, but the Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Brother Matucci. If you can confidently quote those scriptures, people always say to me, wow, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Or, well, you're pretty good at that. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it because I made myself good at it. I became a master of my craft because I wanted to see some people saved. Number five, watch for openings to share a word for Christ. 
Look for the chance. Look for the opportunity. Look for somebody that might be downtrodden or hurting. You know what I used to say to people? They say, oh man, I got this real blah, blah, blah. I'd say, you know what? I'm a person of faith. I, I rely on my relationship with God to get through these times. Can I share that with you? You know how many people do you think looked at me and said, get out of here, I don't. They'd say, really? Yeah, what do you mean by that? What, they'd, say, they'd ask me, what religion are you? I love that question. What religion are you? I'd say, well, I don't have a religion, but I've got a faith. I'm an apostolic. What does that mean? <laughs> well, the door would open wide open. Number six, if the right opportunity doesn't come naturally, create one. Hey, I really, I really appreciate our friendship, Dennis. I just don't feel like I've ever really shared my testimony, my personal faith with you. Would you mind if I just, can I just talk to you about what God's done in my life and the relationship I have? Sure, absolutely. Create one. And finally, the best one of all, leave the results with God. Do your part. Do the work of the evangelist. You know, the work of the evangelist doesn't include dragging them up to the altar and holding her head down on the thing, saying, repent, 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 and then dragging them over here to the water. You know, that's my job. Do the work of the evangelist means do your part. Do the part that you know. Share the word of God. Teach. Reach out. I'd love to see all of these seats in this building packed, jammed full. Because then we can go plant another church. And we can plant another one. And keep planting them because there's a lot of communities out there that are unchurched and don't know God. Do the work of an evangelist. Get a passion in your heart for this because it's commanded in the word. The power to do it is promised. And you have it in you to do. Amen? This altar is open this morning. Come hold, get a hold of God. Somebody's going to speak into someone's heart this morning. God's going to speak into someone today. If you open your heart right now, okay, God, I got the message. I got the word. I've been afraid of this. Talking to people scares me. I'm afraid to share the gospel. I don't like knocking doors. I've never, I've never had any faith that, God, that you would use me, God, to see someone saved. I, don't, I just can't believe it in my mind. I just can't actually see someone coming to church because of me. Tell him that. Confess it. Let him know. And he'll inspire you. Just send me one person, God. Send me somebody. One person. So that I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you really do want to use me as an evangelist. I'm telling you, he'll start putting them in your path immediately. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for every soul in this building right now. Lord, we're making a declaration today. Abundant Life is a missionary church. We're a soul-winning church, God. We're reaching out to you today. There's already many that have stepped forward and said, Pastor, I want to help you out. I want to help you with this outreach effort. There's a whole bunch of people in here are feeling it right now, God. But they're dealing with disbelief. They're dealing with rejection that they've had in the past. They've failed at this in the past, God. And the enemy has beaten them down and made it so they can't believe. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I want you to begin to place into the people's minds of faith and an ability like they've never understood before. Put the words in their mouth. Put those things into their heart. Let them begin to absorb the word like never before. 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, inspire them this morning, God. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.